0: reading second corinthians eight now as you excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge in utmost eagerness and in our love for you so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking i do not say this as a command but i am by mentioning the eagerness of others testing the genuineness of your love for you know the generous act of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I'm going to give you my opinion. It is beneficial for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means.
1: Great job. The best laid plans. Yes, thank you. Friends, as we continue in worship this evening, I bring a second scripture reading that you will see in your bulletins and as i read this story from mark chapter 5 i invite you to be thinking of just one word that describes how you're feeling in response to this story and as I typically do in this service, after we read scripture, I invite us to share that one word aloud. So we begin listening not only to what is in our hearts, but to the Holy Spirit that is speaking around us. So hear now these words from Mark chapter 5. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from a flow of blood for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and she was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak for she said if I but touch his cloak I will be made well. Immediately her flow of blood stopped And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that the power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my cloak? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you? How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman Knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. My friends, these are the words of God given to us as the children of God, and we say... Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Come Holy Spirit, once again, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds so that we might clearly hear all that you have to say to us this evening. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. So friends, what was that word? that describes what you were feeling as you heard this story. If you're joining us online, comment your word as well. Jamie, her yearning, thank you. Fred, power, good. Blessing, Dan, I saw your hand. Trust and faith, good words. Let me hear from one more. New life. And go ahead, Corinne. Bold truth. truth. So I'm sure as many of you all have heard, and I've spoken about this before, I am in a season of cram writing for ordination and paperwork. Now, for those who don't know what the ordination process looks like in the United Methodist Church, it's a a series of many steps, but the part where I am is almost a twofold step. I am what we call a provisional elder, where a couple of years ago I wrote paperwork about what I learned in seminary and how my understanding of faith has impacted who I am and how I hope to live out my ministry. And I submitted that and had an interview before a board. They approved me, and I was commissioned into ministry. And then we go through a couple of years, typically about two, two and a half. I'm going on three years of full-time ministry before writing another round of paperwork. This time, um, naming and Uh, seeing how our practice of ministry has influenced our understanding of deep theological concepts, like our understanding of God, our understanding of the nature of the church and how we are to live out our faith in the world. At my last continuance interview, every year you have to go before the board again just as a check-in to say, hey, I'm doing well, here's what I'm learning. So last year at that interview, I excitedly proclaimed that this was the year I am ready to write my paperwork. I had a plan mapped out about how I would spend my time the rest of the eight or nine months before paperwork was due. I had a neat plan, all set and ready to go. But as I just mentioned, the best laid plans, right? February turned to March, March turned to July, and July turned to September 1st, and each month I kept telling myself, today is the day, I'm just going to do it. But instead of writing, I would choose to do anything and everything else I could find, There were spots in my house that I didn't even know could be cleaned. Or, on the polar opposite, I would choose to park my behind on the couch and watch Hallmark for days on end and do nothing at all. How many of us have experienced this phenomenon? where you tell yourself that you are going to do something and it doesn't happen. Call it laziness, call it busyness, call it whatever you want. It is still a commitment dropped, a promise unfulfilled. I wonder if this is similar to what the Corinthians must have felt in receiving Paul's words in our passage from 2 Corinthians this evening. Paul was pulling on their heartstrings, telling them all the wonderful ways that they have been excelling, in faith and speech, knowledge and eagerness. And then the shoe drops. He tells the Corinthians that they have dropped the ball that they are not hitting the mark. So Paul is challenging them, saying, I am testing the genuineness of your love. You see, a year before Paul wrote this letter, the Corinthians, the Christians in Corinth were fired up about a new ministry opportunity. Paul was taking up a collection to help the Christians who were in Jerusalem, who found themselves in dire straits. After hearing of the situation in Jerusalem, the Corinthians felt moved by the Holy Spirit to to do something, to just do anything that they could to help them. So they committed to helping Paul raise funds. I can imagine them passing out pledge cards and maybe even planning a big fundraiser. The Corinthians were so fired up about this collection for Jerusalem that Paul even used them as an example for other Christians that he was in community with. Now, a year later, Paul received words that word that the Corinthians have given very little to the collection. Nowhere near the expected and promised amount. Paul's model community, his shining star, lost their luster. All that fire, all those plans, all that eagerness was just gone. So what happened? What stopped the Corinthian Christians from just doing the things that they were excited about doing? What prevented them from following through with their plans, their grand ideas? You see, Corinth was a bustling port city, a major metropolitan area. Life was busy and fast paced. So it's easy to imagine that these Christians, while having the greatest of intentions, got lost in the shuffle, distracted by children running from place to place, distracted by caring for aging family members, busy trying to meet the demands of a big city market on on a small fish stand or fruit stand. Or maybe some were stressed trying to make ends meet while still match the pledge that they had made a whole year ago. Whatever the case may be, the collection for Jerusalem faded into the background. The fire dimmed, the motivation, the excitement was just gone. We have all experienced times where we were excited and with anticipation and fueled by motivation. We have felt that burning fire where the Holy Spirit or something we liken to the Holy Spirit, stirred something in our hearts, ignited a spark, spurring us on to increase our pledged financial commitment, or to say yes to to serve on a team at Trinity, urging us to reconnect with a long-lost friend that has been on our hearts and on our minds, nudging us to do more than simply pass Out water or a little cash through a car window to the gentleman at Walmart but then life takes over and prevents us from doing any of those things that God had placed on our hearts preventing us from doing what God has called us to do we get busy we get distracted Or maybe we are simply afraid. Afraid of negative feedback. Afraid of feeling ill-equipped or unworthy of this great call that God has given to us. Afraid of failing. So we put it off. We ignore the little voice in the back of our heads and we let that fire fade into the background while everything else rushes to the forefront. If the Corinthians were anything like me, the more that they ignored that nudge, that steady flame, that call to give, the more guilty they became. Maybe they needed a gentle push from Paul, an encouraging pep talk, but that's not what they received. He didn't coddle them, He didn't say, it's okay, I understand, you've been busy. No, instead he wrote in frustration, last year you were the first not only to give but to also have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. It's almost as if he said, just do it. Just follow through. Just do what you can and what you have been called to do. It doesn't have to be large. Just do what you can. Just do it. Do something. I believe these words are just as applicable for us today. It's as if Paul is saying to us, just do it. Just do what it is that God has been calling you to do, to take that leap of faith. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering or life-changing. It can be something simple, as simple as setting aside time to be in prayer, to open your Bible, but just do it. How many of us would have responded to Paul's admission not so positively? I don't take it to being pushed to do something very well. If anything, it would make me turn around and walk right out the door. So friends, why should we follow Paul's admonition? Why should we take that step, that next leap of faith? To answer this question, I invite us to place ourselves back in the scene from the story from Mark that I read just a few moments ago. Imagine ourselves in a small, dank shack not too far from the Sea of Galilee. There was a small, frail woman curled up on a small mattress. We aren't told her name, but we know that after 12 long years, she had been bleeding without relief. She's visited doctor after doctor, physician after physician. She's researched everything from conventional medicine to unconventional treatments, spent every last penny she had to her name, and still she had no answers. Her friends and family have long since written her off, thinking that she must be making it all up. Year after year, day after day, her hope, her motivation, her will to keep searching, maybe even her will to keep living, was just gone. Then she heard the pounding of the footsteps rushing by her little shack headed toward the water. The teacher is coming, a little boy shouted excitedly. She lifted herself up slowly off the mattress, left her hut, and followed the stampede. She'd heard of the miracles, of how Jesus had calmed the storms and cast out demons. So maybe, just maybe, he could heal her too. Standing at the back of the crowd, off to the side where no one could see her, but no one would have seen her anyway, she waged war within her mind. Maybe if I just get close enough. No, I'm too small and sick. There's no way I could push through that crowd. Maybe, maybe if I just touch his clothes. But no, there are too many people I wouldn't be able to reach. Just do it. I wonder if she felt the spirit of God say. So with all the strength that she could muster, she began battling the crowd, squeezing and wiggling her way through, taking an elbow to the stomach and falling on her knees just as the teacher moves right past her. Just do it that spirit mantra replayed so with her last ounce of strength she extended her hand and brushed the hem of the teacher's robes and instantly instantly the bleeding stopped instantly she felt her strength return she could barely breathe was she really healed She began rising up off the dirt path and she hears him ask, who touched me? Knowing what had happened, knowing that she was unwelcome, knowing that all eyes, including his, would be on her, she steps forward in faith. Just do it. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. So why did she do it? After years of suffering, after years of unanswered questions, after years of being told she was not worthy to be part of the community, years of loneliness and isolation, years of no motivation, This was her Hail Mary pass, a last-ditch effort. It was crazy, and yet she did it anyway. She just jumped and reached and took that leap of faith despite all that was stacked against her, despite having everything against her, she had faith that on the other side of that gigantic leap that extended reach, she would be healed. That there would be healing because she had faith. As we watched this frail woman push her way through the crowd in our mind's eye, I thought back to all of the moments where I plunged after Jesus. I wonder if we have all thought of those moments where we took a leap of faith for ourselves. If we didn't take those leaps, would we be sitting here? If we didn't take those steps of faith, where would we be? What I know is that in the moments of deep doubt where we are wrestling with the should we or should we not, wrestling with just taking a leap. In those moments when we are teetering over the edge of that leap, I know that God is with us. I know that God is with us, making a way where there seems to be no way forward. I know that God and Jesus, the one who experienced fear and doubt and ridicule, Toes the cross for us, despite losing everything. I know that Christ is jumping alongside me every time I reach that cliff. Looking back on the moments in my life, I know that without taking those brave steps forward, despite fear and doubt, I would not experience the immeasurable goodness that I have found on the other side of those leaps of faith. So tonight, we have the opportunity to stand beside a friend of ours who has chosen to take that next leap of faith. To step into the unknown. Despite some fear. Despite some hesitation. He has chosen to leap. And we have the opportunity to participate in the goodness that he will receive. That we will receive. Because of that leap. Because of the spirit of God who is already at work around us. So as Dan plunges figuratively into the waters of baptism, I pray that each and every one of us finds the courage to take the plunge of faith as well to whatever next steps that looks like for us. Because we have the opportunity to see for ourselves tonight, before our very eyes, this truth that God is with us right now, that God has carried us by love and grace since before we even knew that God existed. We can experience that God audaciously responds to our faithful steps, no matter what size they may be. So Dan, I invite you forward. Catherine, So I had the privilege of meeting Dan, was it in May? Yeah, in May. At the end of May, mm-hmm. when he uh, came up to me after our 11 o'clock service and shared something miraculous. That that was his very first time in a church ever, right? Church service. Church yeah. service yeah. ever. Yeah. And he shared with me that he experienced the most profound expression of love from our community, from us. And that you didn't expect that from a church community, no. did you?
2: No.
1: And, yeah. and since then, I have had the absolute joy of watching Dan step further into uh, this call that God has on his life to seek out what it means to be a person of faith and to live out that faith in the world. Um, So, Dan, thank you for the privilege of giving me the opportunity to walk alongside you and to experience this moment with
2: you. And me as well, Dan. What a privilege it is. And we're so grateful that you have chosen to follow Jesus and you've chosen to live out your faith as a part of this community of faith. So, um, I'm going to ask you some questions. These are the historic questions of faith um, at the first one kind of talks about leaving behind all of the the old stuff Um, and then um, working against those things in the world and, and working for good and then finally putting your trust in Jesus and following him as you move forward and becoming a part of the body of Christ. So... Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? I do. Yes. And do you confess Jesus, uh, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I do. And this is the most powerful, speaking of power, Uh, Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? I do. And then, um, according to the grace given you, will you remain a faithful part of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representative in the world? Amen, I'm so excited. I know, me too. You're just going to do it.
1: Just do it. Just do it. Nike would be so proud of us. So Dan, come step over to, we've got the bowl that, here, let's, so we can show everyone the cool thing of pouring the water. So in baptism, water is a symbol that we are made anew and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we are going to pray over the water. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time you set Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection. And to make disciples of all nations. So God we ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit to, to bless this gift of water and on dan who will receive it to wash away his sin to clothe him in righteousness throughout his life that dying and being raised with christ they may share in his final victory so dan i want
2: him to turn around this way yeah okay. i'm going to hold this bowl and thank I, so you will be able to reach it. all right just soak all this in. yes
1: dan i baptize you in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit
2: amen, amen. And now marissa and i are gonna marissa and i are gonna lay hands on you and, and pray for you Uh, And y'all can extend a hand if you want. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Pray for Dan. The laying on of hands is just a tangible, visible way for us to ask for God's blessing poured out on him. Dan, may the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, you may live as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Which one's the the part of, is it this one? Mm -hmm. Okay, so friends, I forgot to send the congregational response to uh, John in time. I apologize. So you are going to repeat after me as we participate in this holy moment. We reaffirm our own faith in our own baptisms and a sign of support to Dan as he is now a part of our community. So repeat after me. We give thanks for all that God has already given you,
2: and we welcome
1: you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ, and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church,
2: and in this of the United Methodist Church.
1: Mm-hmm. we renew our covenant. To faithfully, in the of the to faithfully participate in the ministries of the church by
2: our prayers,
1: by our, prayers our, presence, our presence, our gifts, our, gifts, our, service, our service, and our witness, and our witness that, in that in everything God may
2: be glorified,
1: God may be glorified. through Jesus Christ. And we all shout a hearty amen. Amen. And can we welcome Dan? Congratulations.